systems are offline. You're listening to Sky Sauce Podcast Network. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hello and welcome to Skysoft's The Films That Changed Our Lives. This podcast is all about highlighting films that have made an impact on our lives and that have inspired us both in front of and behind the camera. Each episode, either myself or my co-host Monroe Hayden will focus on one film that has impacted us and discuss its significance. I'm Daniel Andrade. Let's go. There are some films that become instant classics as soon as they're released. With its iconic DeLorean, memorable lines, fantastic score and musical stingers, an excellent cast, there's no doubt in my mind that Back to the Future is one of those films. So let's crank it up to 88 miles per hour and dive on in. Written and directed by Robert Zemeckis and executive produced by Steven Spielberg, Back to the Future tells the story of how a rebellious young rocker named Marty, played perfectly by Michael J. Fox, accidentally ends up 30 years in the past, thanks to a time machine built by the eccentric scientist Dr. Emmett Brown, brilliantly portrayed by Christopher Lloyd. There, he encounters his nerdy father George, played by Kristen Glover, and his, shall we say, overly affectionate mother Lorraine, played by Leia Thompson, while trying to avoid the block-headed bully Biff, played iconically by Thomas F. Wilson, Marty must find a way to ensure his parents still have their life-changing date at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance to prevent himself and his siblings from being erased from existence. The film ends on one of the best cliffhangers ever, in my opinion, which thankfully resulted in two other films that neatly and efficiently tell a comprehensive story spanning 130 years. It's honestly any wonder this film even got made in the first place, with the script being notoriously turned down by every studio Zemeckis and co-writer Bob Gale showed it to for being too, quote, soft and sweet and with Disney in particular turning it down out of concern about a potential incestuous relationship between Marty and his mother. Thankfully, Spielberg, who had worked with Zemeckis previously, producing his first two films, believed in him and set him up at his new production company, Amblin. It's great news that he was there to help Zemeckis out, or else we could have possibly ended up talking today about a movie called Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> Speaking of what could have been, while nowadays it's hard to imagine anyone other than Michael J. Fox playing the role of Marty, during the first six weeks of filming, Eric Stoltz took on the role. However, his take was too dark and brooding, and he also didn't get along well with the cast and crew. Fortunately, they were able to get Fox instead, but he had to go double duty since he was still filming Family Ties at the moment. This led to some long and hectic days, but thankfully Fox pulled it off and gave us one of his most memorable roles to date. Additionally, the time machine in the original script was supposed to be a refrigerator on the back of a pickup truck. Uh, luckily, Zemeckis streamlined the idea of putting the time machine into the car itself, and they chose the futuristic-looking DeLorean, even turning down a last-minute sponsorship offer from Ford to have it be a Mustang. And that's how we got the car that we see in the film. So, now let's get into how this film changed my life. This was one of the first films that made me appreciate the art of storytelling. This wasn't your average, straightforward, linear film. This movie had a complex plot involving time travel 
and the consequences of messing with things in the past. While this is a concept that quantum physicists and philosophers can have highly elaborate discussions about using terms and ideas I would need years of schooling to fully comprehend, Back to the Future was able to simplify it and make it easy to understand, even for a kid like me. I love the little things that prove the attention to detail was taken very seriously, like the name of the mall being changed from Twin Pines Mall to Lone Pine Mall in the future because Marty destroyed one of Mr. Peabody's pines when he went back to 1955. What helped to sell the story and make it so approachable was the acting of the cast. Everyone had to essentially play multiple different versions of themselves, whether it be Marty having to become Calvin Klein, Lorraine being both a miserable housewife and a wild young teenager, or Biff embodying a thick-headed brute as well as a nebbish and more docile auto detailer, each actor convincingly shows how each character has multiple levels to their personalities within them that have either been unlocked or tampered down over time. Also, as I stated earlier, this movie made me appreciate, appreciative of a good score that not only included full-on themes and songs, but short little stingers as well. Thanks to the genius of composer Alan Silvestri, whether the music was three minutes long or three seconds long, it was used so effectively. The most notable stinger, a brief set of descending scales with piano and chimes and a steady violin in the background, was used to denote that something had changed that was different. It was so iconic it was used in the film Ready Player One when the Zemeckis Cube was used. But something like that, so short and sweet and simple, was such a brilliant and powerful use of music that always stuck with me to this day. That, and of course the main theme, with its sweeping horns and percussive strings, made it feel like you were truly going on a magical and epic adventure. So in conclusion, this movie is so important in my life because it made me realize how magical it is to have a well-planned, tightly constructed story come together on the big screen. It made me understand how many parts go into making that highly organized story believable, from a great cast to a fantastic score to clever Easter eggs. It fully engrossed me and left me wanting more. It was one of the first movies that helped me see that films can be more than just a brief, entertaining distraction from the world. They can be grand, fantastical stories that take you on a journey through space and time and have you saying, Great Scott! by the end. I may not know exactly how much 1.21 gigawatts is, but Back to the Future made me believe in its power. So, with all that being said, let's start by getting uh, your thoughts on, on the film, Monroe. I know it had been a while since you'd seen it, so what was it like diving back into this uh, insane but awesome movie? I mean, it it it's still a really fun movie to watch, <laughs> and I can see why it's lasted so long in terms of... Um... I wouldn't say relevance, but just its popularity and why it's mm -hmm. still such a big hit to not just our generation, but I think to generations after us and to come. Everything from like the uh, the cinematography, like the storytelling through through the cinematography, through like showing bits and pieces, and you know, just like the the entire beginning that you you know you pointed out that it was like how many minutes long and you didn't see a person's <laughs> face, but mm -hmm. there was so much storytelling in these mm -hmm. like first three minutes it's a it's something that's not really practiced anymore not really i mean like there are certain situations yeah and there's probably a lot of indie films that follow this technique but in terms of mainstream media we don't get this type of storytelling anymore mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um it's really quite simple 
if you think about <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's, like, I know it's not simple to do in terms of putting everything, you know, in its place to tell the story correctly and have everything, everything from the dialogue just explain enough so that way the people watching know who these characters are without knowing mm-hmm. their names and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's, it's still simple because it's mm-hmm. just one camera technique, but it's yeah. still really yeah. um, difficult to get right. And mm-hmm. you know, I I thought it was a little weird the first time I saw it. You know, <laughs> yeah, his his McFly's mom kept hitting on him mm-hmm. and was like really, really determined to get him, <laughs> you know, to do right? stuff. And mm-hmm. that has not changed. I still think that's really weird. And mm-hmm. it's hard for me to just watch a movie for for what it is and not how and not not like connect to it yeah so yeah. if i were so I, I put myself in these characters shoes a lot and i just think like mm-hmm. man what if i went back in time and like my mom started hitting on me and i'd be like ew like no yeah like, you know it's just yeah, such no, a gross thing yeah like i don't even mm-hmm. know if i could even go and try to get her with my dad because i don't i wouldn't want her anywhere near me <laughs> <laughs> no offense to yeah. my mom my mom yeah. was a real looker but it's just it's just weird because it's, it's yeah. like, you know and and i feel like i i feel like there's a lot of reasons psychological reasons this was put into the 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 movie that mm-hmm. i don't really want to get into <laughs> yeah but that's a whole nother podcast yeah but nonetheless <laughs> man it's still it's i can see why disney stayed away from that Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It's it's funny how like like uh, of course like I don't like that we had to get to the point where it actually happened, but you know, when she finally like made the move and kissed him, like she felt really weird about it, so and she's like it felt like kissing her brother, uh which is like <laughs> a a weird way of kind of showing that it was never supposed to happen that way. Um but yeah, still it's just a very uncomfortable story a very uncomfortable situation um i don't know how i would have been able to handle that either um yeah it's just it's just crazy um i think one of the things that we talked about was like like thinking about what it must have been like for our parents to to grow up uh what they were like when they were our age um i know like a few stories here and there like i know that my mom was in a lot of plays when she was in high school, she was uh, Maria in West Side Story. She was like in Oklahoma. She was in all these places. She loved acting. Like acting was a, a big part of her, you know, young life. She played a lot of tennis. She was um, she used to practice like hitting cans on the net and stuff like that. So, and then my dad, I just know uh, that he was, you know, a rocker himself. He had the long hair. He went to concerts uh, that he doesn't even remember that he was at because of, you know other things he was doing during the show instead of watching the the music, listening to the music. So I know like bits and pieces, but like, what do you know about um, your parents when they were younger? I don't know too much about my dad. Uh, I hear a lot of stories about my mother, uh, from my mother. So this is probably (laughs) just the version that she wants me to know. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like, how young are we going? Because she actually grew up in San Diego. Oh. And then she moved to LA yeah. when she was, I don't know, in her 20s. 
So mm-hmm. how how long how young do we, do we want to go here? I guess let's say like high school age to like college age, like that range. Okay. That's like what I was picking at when I was recounting my parents' stories. She marched to her own drum for sure, and she's mm-hmm. I, I still think she does that in her own way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was she was a really big concert goer as well. She'd probably get along with your dad. Uh, I don't know what type of music your dad was into, but my mom was really into like the the 80s rock. She was a David Bowie groupie at some point. And, and yeah, so so she, you know, those girls. Uh, so there was that. But she was also really uh, talented and, cre- and creative back then. She still is. But when you have kids, it's a lot different. I, I don't want to say it changes who you are, but you can't help it but do that. You know, like it, it, it does that to you. And it was a little different back then. So she was able to, to be more creative and express that creativity and talent before she had me. And I can see how like some of that is, is uh, expressed here in Back to the Future. There does seem to be a bit more freedom with uh, McFly's generation than you know, when yeah. he goes back in time. I mean, if we, if we take out the whole like creepy... Um incestuous uh part like do you think like you would have been like friends with your your mom at that age like i think i would have been friends with my mom i think my dad was a little bit more like aggressive and a little bit more assertive so he probably would have like picked on me or something if if i'm being honest (laughs) and i love him the pieces i love my dad but i think like a young young version of my dad and i would probably not get along well but i'm pretty sure my mom and i would uh I think it really depends because I don't know. Life was really different back then. Because uh, yeah. they kind of kept people of color in a, in the same area. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very much aware of what I look like. I, I am mixed. And I know mm-hmm. that I don't look Filipino, even though I am half Filipino. And, you know, I always get called exotic, which is the polite way of saying... We don't know what you are, but we know you're not white. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know where I would be in that time yeah. back then. Yeah. You know, like the 60s and early 70s and stuff like that. That was when segregation was a really big thing. And we, we forget how short of a time yeah. ago that was when, yeah. you know, people weren't really allowed. When people of color weren't really allowed to, like, work in the front of stores or businesses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have no idea if I would be even be allowed to be friends with her or if she'd want to be wow. friends with me um, mm-hmm. because I don't know if we would, if we would even be exposed to one another or what the time That's... was back then. I can tell you that based by based on personalities, I think we probably would get along or we'd probably mm-hmm. bump heads because we, we bump heads right now as mother-daughter. Yeah. We have to be in the same spot at the same time and then, you know, see where the chips fall, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's great that you bring all that up because that's something we talked about when we were watching the movie together is that, like, I love this movie so much, but, like, the representation in it is very minimal. (laughs) Like, what would this movie have been like if, like, you were the main character, if I was the main character? Like, if I got transported back to 1955, like you said... It'd be a very different experience for me. I probably wouldn't be able to just like chit chat with uh, the, you know, the the people at the diner or whatever without having looks come my way. Or I might not even be allowed in the 
in the diner itself, you know, who knows? So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's something to think about. Um, yeah. 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 And you know, you've known me for quite a while. I'm not really one to be a frou-frou kind of girl, <laughs> depending on how far back we go in time. I wouldn't probably be allowed to wear what I like to wear. Where I'm, what I'm comfortable oh. wearing. So yeah, it would be much different. I think it would really be a culture shock, even though it'd be you'd be in the exact same spot where you are right now. But I think it'd be a culture shock just because we forget how how different things were decades ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if yeah. I'd be able to make it. I'm tough, but it's I don't true. know if I'm that tough to deal with something like that. Yeah, and I'm nowhere near as tough as you are, so <laughs> I would have an even harder time. I wanted to ask you because you know, like I said, this. This film really made me appreciate like storytelling. So, you know, when it comes to you as a as a as a screenwriter, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, like what's usually the process of coming up with a story and like how far ahead do you think and uh, how often does it change? Like and how do you see all of those skills and talents like represented in this film? Um, all your first questions are really hard to answer just because it changes frequently mm. depending on mm-hmm. the project. There are some projects that I've worked on where it was just really easy and it was straightforward. Mayari was one of them. You know, there are others where it's not so easy. And so I think it just really depends. And it also depends on who's on your team. It's true. Uh, as far as the last question, I can definitely see how it probably took longer than we think it did. I don't know if you know the information, how long it took to put this whole, like when they started versus when they finished it, when they filmed it. Uh, so I can tell there was a lot of thought and care put into it in terms of like, when should these events happen in mm-hmm. the past? And mm-hmm. how far can we go with this incestuous <laughs> relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if any of them ask themselves like why are we telling this story because you always ask yourself no matter what you're doing it's why are we telling the story what's the moral of the story why are are these two characters coming together why are they not coming together why do they bump heads why do they not agree why are they villains um to each other so Mm -hmm. you you ask all these questions and um i really wonder what they were thinking with that i think they were onto something for sure when it came to like let's help dad try to get with mom you know, mm-hmm. and, and dad has no idea that it's me. I, I think that also has to do with like a sexist type of point of, point of yeah. view where it's like, ha- let's yeah. have the mom be this like, like horny little, <laughs> it kind of gives <laughs> off the impression that like all women yeah. are like this when they're teenagers and that they're just looking, they're just little horn dogs. And sure, there are some women who are, and that's okay. <laughs> and we're just as much allowed to explore our hormones and urges as mm-hmm. much as men are, but it kind of gives the wrong impression with that um, because she is the only female representation in this film. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. back in, what, when did this movie come out? In the 80s, I think 85, so when the first one came out. Yeah, we did not, ha- we were nowhere near having the conversations that we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk about the race thing you and i can talk about the race Mm -hmm. thing i can talk about the sexist thing but Mm -hmm. overall it's still a really fun film and i think i can definitely see the 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 challenges that they had and i appreciate uh the challenges they overcame to tell us Mm -hmm. the story it was it's really cool but what do you think about it 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just like before we move on, just like remember, like a lot of the studios turned it down because like this is the 80s and this was a time when a lot of teen films were more raunchy. So like a lot of the studios turned it down because it wasn't raunchy enough. So Oh, like, imagine, really? Yeah, yeah. They thought it was too soft and sweet. So they're like, no, no, no. Like give us like, what was it? Like Revenge of the Nerds or mm. like other stuff like that or Porky's or all those other like super. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fast times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. I mean, like, trying to compare it to other movies that came out in that time, I can mm-hmm. I definitely take this one over a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You've seen some of those those movies, right? Like, the teen movies from the 80s and stuff? I've seen some, but, like, the ones that I mentioned, I haven't seen. Like, I haven't seen Porky's. I haven't seen Revenge of the Nerds. Um, <laughs> I know about it. Like, uh, it's, like, infamous. <laughs> so I know about it but yeah i haven't seen it myself i guess maybe that's why they did the whole mom thing it was just like like well what can we do that like would would like please these guys at the top and mm-hmm. they're like weird fetishes and stuff like oh, that they God. want like raunchy stuff <laughs> but still make it kind of cute yeah and i yeah. guess i mean maybe that's why they did it in terms of um like the storytelling, it's really hard for me to kind of separate this one from the other two, like talk about it on its own, because I think that's part of the reason why for me, it makes such a super strong story, because when we go to part two, then we have even more Easter eggs, like uh, from not just the 50s, but the 80s as well. And then you go to the third film and we're in 1885. And, you know, I was reading that um, Statler, like the the Toyota, the truck that um, Marty gets at the end, the big black uh, pickup truck is from Statler uh, Toyota or something. And then back in 1885, it was like Statler locomotives, like the best locomotives that you can find. So like things have just been like carrying over. So that's why I was just so interested and curious about like how far ahead did they plan this? Oh, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think I answered your question then. It it just depends. Like, did they know they were going to make these movies? Because there are, there are... I mean, in Hollywood, they have some of the best teams, storytelling teams around. Well, mm-hmm. That can be argued today. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everyone has an opinion about a, a lot of things. <laughs> but yeah. I still think they're there. Uh, but definitely, yeah, in the 80s and the 90s, it, like storytellers were like the magic that kept everything moving. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Because I, I don't think that people go in pitching okay we're going to make three movies and it's going to be this unless it's like lord of the rings where like this is how oh. it's got to be you know like yeah this is a, a three movie deal but like when you're pitching back to the future that wasn't already being uh picked up and was kind of being turned down because it wasn't raunchy enough i think they were just mm-hmm. initially thinking let's just get this one movie made and we'll see what happens after that and then they got cleared for another movie and then another mm-hmm. movie after that so i don't know mm-hmm. about the planning in terms of that because I would think, realistically, they were just thinking one movie at a time. And okay. it's easy to do that in because all you have okay. to do is just kind of think, okay. Because this is a, a, a made-up town, where mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, um, Hill Valley. So you can just kind of make things come and go as they, as they please. And um, mm-hmm. because it's also mixed with fiction and nonfiction, you can kind of bring things around. It's the same thing that we did, um, that I did for Beast. So you can mm-hmm. kind of... You can go back as far as you want, but as far as planning it out, I don't think they had to until the second movie. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Well, then, you know, in that case, that makes it even more impressive to me because like they kind of thought of it. Maybe they had like some nuggets of ideas, but they kind of fleshed it out once they were given that go ahead. You know, I was I was also reading in my research um, that, you know, when we watch the movie now, when we watch it streaming or when we watch it on DVD, at the very end of that first movie, it says, you know, to be continued. Uh, but that wasn't in the original theatrical release that was added like once everything was locked down and they knew that they were going to have that second film. Um, so I can't even imagine like going to that film and then hearing the lens like, it's your kids. And like, well, we're going, we don't need roads. And then like, that's it. Like, oh my God, like I can't imagine just being left with that information and not knowing that there was going to be something following it. So that's why like, I thought it was such a great cliffhanger. Um, Anxiety on fleek. (laughs) You cannot end it like this. I need closure. (laughs) I need answers now. Yeah. I think those are the best Uh, stories that end like that because then you can decide what happens rather than get, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like, yeah, there is definitely a sense of satisfaction when someone tells you what happens at the end. But sometimes when Mm -hmm. you find out what happens in the end, you're just like, oh, really? That's also true. (laughs) Like, man, it was better in my head. So. Yeah, Game and of I think Thrones, that's Lost. <laughs> I'm sorry about Lost, man. I know <laughs> yeah, you had I'm big hopes for too. that. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I think like the 80s and the 90s were really good at um, kind of keeping things open ended. I think that's true. Yeah. So, but today we're so fixated on closure because you know we've mm-hmm. got so many pressures now um, mm-hmm. that now we just like we need as much as we can get to help us move forward and closure is one of them but i personally think it would have been fine if they ended it right there because then that's just me though that's true my opinion do you think um you know i I love how we always get into these kind of more philosophical discussions starting with a discussion of films but do you think that's like become worse maybe because of growing up in at least for the younger generation growing up in this like binge watching culture where you can watch everything like immediately just like have it right there in front of you um and you know there's this this is a generation of a lots of sequels and reboots and prequels and all that sort of stuff um because i don't i i'm trying to remember if it was as prevalent back when we were growing up and i don't think it was i mean but i don't know i wouldn't doubt it I mean, I'm, it's a little above my pay grade, but I definitely wouldn't, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't doubt it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the way our entertainment is formatted does help, or does help, does explain a lot of how we navigate entertainment there afterwards. So if we're given mm-hmm. an entire series to binge watch, I am one of those people who can no longer watch things um, episodically. <laughs> one week at a time, yeah. <laughs> I tried mm-hmm. with, what is it, WandaVision, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I cannot do this. I I <laughs> will come back when this is done and I will watch mm-hmm. it all, but I am not going to take my time <laughs> to watch mm-hmm. it. This is like too, I forget. I've got things yeah. to do. I can make time yeah. for an entire like series because I primarily work from home, so I can have mm-hmm. it on and while working at the same time. But you want me to take my my other time and not like it's 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 for me it's too much to to ask for and maybe that was just because of the pandemic i don't know but oh uh, that's true too but i've noticed that i i just can't do it but as far as like the closure part like a lot of these seasons don't end with closure if that's true i think the closure thing just has a lot to do with 
how our <laughs> society communicates. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, sometimes we have a lot of friendships that kind of break off and we just go separate ways, but there's no closure. There's no goodbye. We just mm. kind of drift apart. And not to say it's mm-hmm. never happened in the generations before us, but our generations, one of those generations where we're like, did it have to end that way though? Because how many of us look back and think, man, what, what if I just like made the time to say goodbye or what if they did or whatever or what if I got over my pride to just like apologize or would things mm-hmm. would we still be friends today no. and let's we can't forget about our romantic encounters and relationships mm-hmm. and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know and and I know it's a part of life to accept that not everything has closures or closure not well mm-hmm. it could be plural if you want to <laughs> it could be but yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, I think our generation, definitely the generation after us, is wondering, like, well, why do we have to, why does it have to be that way? Mm-hmm. With things yeah. that you can, you know, fix or you can control, like with relationships. Yeah, sure, you can't do that with death. But if when it comes to relationships, you really, are we really training ourselves to, to just leave and abandon people when mm-hmm. when we shouldn't? Yeah. So maybe yeah. that has a lot to do with why, like, I mean, I don't know, how, how young were you when you watched Back to the Future where you're like, I have to know what happens, but you cannot leave it like this. It's like you said, it was the beginning of the anxiety for sure. But like, what but, were you going no, through I, that you had to, <laughs> that that was not an acceptable ending for you? I, I think it was just like, I was so excited. Like, it just got me all hyped, I think. Like, I was like, oh my God, like now this car's flying? Like, I didn't know it could fly. So I was just like, it was, I, I've always been a very curious person, I guess. So it was more like curiosity, like, like they can fly and they're going to the, and why is he dressed the way he is? And why did he just put a bunch of trash in his car? Like there were so many questions that were left or I wanted and needed answers to these questions that came up in my head. Cause I had just gotten so invested in this story of like, we just saw what life was like in the past and now we're getting a glimpse of the future. So, you know, I want to know more. I want to know more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, I even though we talked about this in the last episode, but I'm still going to ask you anyway. Do you have any final thoughts, any last things that you want to say about this movie or about anything? Nothing that I want to say, but I do want to know uh, what's what's your favorite part. Um, I, I always quote the "I'm your density" part. <laughs> so uh, when he's like. Like he has his little note, his his notepad out. He's like, "I'm your density," and he says it so weirdly. <laughs> um, I just love that part and what came before it, where he came as Darth Vader, and you know sent him this message from the future with screeching guitars from Van Halen and stuff. I just, I love the, uh, I love that part of it. Um, one of my favorites. There's so many favorite parts, but I think that's the one that kind of. Uh, replays a lot in my head for whatever reason so yeah that's actually kind of cute because what if that was the case like what if i did find a way to go back in time and i was the reason why my mom loves that music so much because i let her like listen right? to it, and she was like what is this magic and then all of a sudden she you know she goes into the music that she went into mm-hmm. and started chasing david but it's like here you, you're gonna love this guy <laughs> his name is david bowie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what sparked it. So it wasn't just like she just magically found it, but it was like, oh, her daughter from the from the future came back and said, 
you should listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah. That would be kind of cute. <laughs> that would be very cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's unfortunately all the time we have for today. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us. As a reminder, this podcast is available on App- Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Just search for Skysoft and you'll find us there. Please make sure to subscribe to us on those platforms so you never miss an episode and rate and review us. And of course, for all things Skysoft, including full episodes, cast and show info, and other updates, be sure to check out www.skysoftentertainment.com. Again, that's skysoftentertainment.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Daniel. And I'm Monroe. Sharing with you the films that changed our lives.